Morning, Crossroads. Thank you all for being here this morning. For those of you who are tuning in online this morning, we don't thank you for tuning in. Please drop a line in the comments. Let us know that you're watching with us this morning. Uh, for those of you who are joining us in the auditorium, would you please stand and worship with us?
You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. You've got pain. He's a pain taker.
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? You may be seated, please. Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. Amen. We're glad that you're here this morning. And as, uh, as we continue today, we have an honor to dedicate a few babies this morning. We are so thrilled for what God is doing in the church and blessing the church with many young families. And uh, we have two of them this morning. So I'm going to ask, first of all, that Silvio and Chelsea... Uh, Martini, bring their son, Zane Martini, to the stage this morning, and we're going to be dedicating Zane. Look at that picture, and he's so adorable. Huh? Come on up here today. We are so thankful, and uh, we, we know that as your church family, we have walked the journey with you guys. When Zane was, oh my goodness, look at that hair. I would love a little bit of it, man. I would love some of that hair. God bless you, man. And so when Zane was born, we, we were all going into prayer. And we knew that God was with you. And I know you sensed the presence of the Lord every step of the way. And here he is looking good and healthy today. And we thank God for that. Amen. Let's thank God for the victory for Zane today. And then we also have today Allie and Patrick Donahue are bringing Gideon Isaiah. So let's bring Gideon on up here today. Oh, my goodness. He was born October 20th. I think he's very new. <laughs> come on over here. You can come on the other side here. We'll put both of you in the light up here. Oh, my goodness. Look how precious, man. And you've got your family up here together. We, we thank God for Patrick and Allie. And man, oh day, look at, look at what God's done. How about Patrick up here helping us to lead singing? Let's thank God for that, huh? Man, we appreciate you guys. Gideon was born on October the 20th, and, and Zane was born August the 5th. We've got two brand new babies up here. Let's thank God for this this morning, folks. We're so thankful. And I know, uh, Martinis, you have a number of family here today with you, right? So if all the family with Martinis, if you would stand, we want to... We just want to welcome you and say thank you for being here. Let's welcome these folks this morning, all right? Awesome. This is your support system here, so we thank God for a good support system. Let's thank you again. You may be seated, please, all right? And then also Patrick and Allie, we want to honor your family. Your family's here today as well. Let's, if you all would stand, let's thank God for their family, man. Awesome. I love it. God's given you both an incredible system here of, of support, and we thank God for all that he's doing in your life. Uh, today, as, as, we, as we come before the Lord and we honor the Lord and dedicate these children, what we do in our church is we dedicate the children to the Lord uh, because we know that one day we, our prayer is that they will open their heart and have a relationship to, with God themselves, their own relationship. So today we're dedicating the children and saying, Lord, Bring that day on. We, we, we long and we look forward to this day. And in the meantime, we're also dedicating you as parents because being a parent in today's world is fun, isn't it? And it's going to be a lot more fun. This is, you're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, guys. So we're just going to pray and dedicate you all as parents as well. And so the scripture says here in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, You form me in my inward parts and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes, were, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when there was none of them yet that had happened. So God has a plan for each one of these children. God has a plan for your baby. God has a plan for your baby. And God said, listen, I, I know you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so little Gideon, God said, I know when Gideon's going to come to this earth. And I know whenever he's going he's to start his journey. And I know when little Zane's going to start his journey. And so God knew in the inward parts. And whenever everything was, you didn't even know that it was happening yet. You, God knew it. And God said, these are fearfully and wonderfully made children. And so we just long for the day to watch them grow up as your other kids are already growing up, right? You're growing up fast, man, all right? As, uh, as, these, as, as the families grow, we are, gonna, we are long for the day to watch them become followers of Christ himself. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to just pray over each family here. I'm going to start over here with Gideon this morning. And, uh, and let's just pray together. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for this family, Lord. I thank you for Patrick and Allie. God, I thank you for their wonderful family. God, I thank you. It's been a joy just to watch them serve, to watch Allie serving in mops, to watch Patrick up here uh, leading singing and uh, connecting with the men of the church. God, you're doing great things in their lives. God, as we watch, have watched their family grow, we've watched you continue to bless them. And now, Lord, they have this abundant blessing with little Gideon, Lord. Just a few weeks old here, Lord. It's our honor and privilege at, uh, to, to be able to dedicate him today, Lord. So, God, we know that Gideon was made fearfully and wonderfully in your eyes and in your sight. And that you put your hand upon him, Lord. And so, Lord, for little Gideon Isaiah today, I ask that you will uh, continue to put your hand upon him, Lord. Continue to guide and direct his parents, Lord. That they may teach him the things of God. That they uh, will continue to, as they have already done a wonderful job with their family, to teach their children how much that you love them and how much that they need a Savior. God, we just dedicate little Gideon now to you, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you'll put your hand upon him and open his eyes of faith at a very young age, Lord. God, I, I lift up to you, Patrick and Allie. We thank you for them, and we dedicate them now as parents, Lord. And I just ask that you'll continue to do your work as only you can do. So, Lord, we come before you, and we, we dedicate now uh, little Gideon to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, God, we come now also to, uh, to Silvio and Chelsea, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, for little Zane, God. We lift up Zane before you. I thank God for Zane, Lord. I, I know that you have put your hand upon him. God, as, uh, as he was born and, and just some health problems that they were uh, very concerned right away, Lord. We all went to prayer. The family of God, we got on our knees and we said, Lord, please, for little Zane, that you would intervene. And, God, we thank you that you have and that you have been with with these wonderful parents, Lord, that you have been with Silville and with Chelsea, Lord, and, and that you have uh, you've given them the strength to walk this journey. So, God, we look at this little baby here. We, we see this little boy that you have created in the image and the likeness of God, and we, we give him up to you now, Lord. We dedicate him to you. I, I dedicate these parents to you, Lord, for Silvio and for Chelsea, Lord. We dedicate these parents, Lord. In our, in our world, Lord, parenting is uh, going to be one of the hardest things that we will do. But, God, I put, pray you'll put your hand upon Silvio and Chelsea, Lord, and give them the strength and the wisdom and the guidance and everything that they need, Lord, uh, to, to be able to teach little Zane 
about the things of God. And Lord, we look forward to the day when little Zane will open his heart and become a follower of Christ himself. So God, we now dedicate little Zane to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we lift up both of these boys, Lord, blessings of the church. Uh, For Gideon and for Zane, Lord, these are the blessings. The inheritance of the Lord is the children. So you've blessed both these families mightily. You've given them an inheritance, and it's the children that you've given them, God. So we thank you for little Gideon. We thank you for Zane, Lord. And we ask for your powerful presence to be upon us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's thank God for these families. God bless. Well, last week we were unable to recognize our veterans for men and women who have served our country so proudly and sacrificially. Whether you're here with us today or online, we want to let you know that we, we value your service. And if you're here today, you are a veteran, we'd like you to please stand just so we can recognize you and, and honor you all over the building. And uh, thank you so much. Let's honor them today. Thank you for your service and uh, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you so much. Well, coming up on December 2nd and 3rd, we have our a jazzy little Christmas here at Crossroads, and it's featuring Ernie Haas and the Signature Sound, their Dove Award-winning group. And on December 2nd and 3rd, we will have the concert here in the auditorium. And then over in our gym, there will be desserts. You can purchase your tickets online, or today they're being sold in our foyer. They're only $10 a piece, which is unbelievable because that's a rock-bottom price uh, to see Ernie and a signature sound. And then this coming Wednesday, November 24th, at 7 o'clock in the evening, we have our Thanksgiving Eve worship and communion service. You won't want to miss it. It's always a special time here at Crossroads. And this year we do have a uh, special uh, testimony, and you're not going to want to miss it. You're only going to be able to hear it here in the building. It will not be available online whatsoever. But that's going to be a special time. We want to welcome you to come on out. And then... Believe it or not, the birthday gift to Jesus is at $14,000. Let's give a shout-out to God. That's just incredible. We have the highest goal ever this year, at least for our church, is $100,000. And right now we're at $14,000. And those monies will be going out all over the world to touch lives in just amazing ways. And today uh, we're highlighting one of those families, Romy and Kay Capulli. They're with Crossover World in the Philippines. They're personal friends. Uh, of myself and my wife and my daughter and we're going to show a little video clip here because they have a special project we decided to jump in early with it adopt a family this christmas join us in making the children's christmas merrier Celebrate Ryan's 25th anniversary. Blessing 2,500 families for only $25 on December 25th. Together, let us bring joy and love this Christmas.
Kudene online. Visit www.crossoffworld.com. Adopt a family. Well, Pastor Ken and I knew about this project for this year, Adopt a Family. We knew that they were on our birthday gift to Jesus. However, Romy and Kay did not know they were on our birthday gift to Jesus. And so this week, Pastor Ken and I talked, let's do something different. Usually we don't send out the monies till the end of January or February to the missionaries. But let's see if they'd be interested in this money going toward $2,000 toward their adoptive family. So I messaged them this week. They sent all kind of emojis in response like, let's do it. That's awesome. They said, we didn't know you're on the list. And I said, well, we don't like broadcast to the world. Hey, by the way, you're on our birthday gift to Jesus list. So what we're going to do, we're going to actually send out the money this week. So $2,000 is going to provide gifts for 80 families. Isn't that awesome? That's just amazing. And uh, so those gifts will consist of 20 pounds of rice, uh, different canned goods, sardines and different items, dried vegetables, noodles, powdered milk cocoa and uh and then toys for the children so it's going to be for the entire family and this is a way that we can be a part of blessing what's being done and by the way they do this through churches so they don't go in the streets and say who wants a gift they partner with church local churches that they just can make huge impacts uh with people so we're just fortunate to be a part of that and then we want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving uh to, to crossroads we have three ways that you are able to give we have offering boxes on the wall you're able to give online and you're also able to send it in the mail and if you are giving to the birthday gift to jesus we just request that you please designate it uh so that then when those monies come in they're earmarked uh for the birthday gift to jesus second corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 tells us each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's just amazing. Well, and today we've got our Operation Christmas Child boxes. Uh, we're going to be taking a load out to the first drop point right after church. And the box truck out there right now has 82 cartons on it of boxes. Right now we've had more than 1,400 shoe boxes come in, which will go all over the world. And uh, just to express the love of Jesus. And we're going to take a moment as we pray to dedicate these shoe boxes that will go out from this place. And then we'll just pray also for the offering. God, we want to thank you for your amazing goodness and grace. Thank you, Father, for how you've used Samaritan's Purse to touch lives all over this world. We thank you, Father, for allowing us the opportunity to be a part of Operation Christmas Child. Thank you for the leadership of Deb Medcalf and just how you've used her to spearhead it. And, uh, God, we're just trusting that as our boxes go out, that, Father, they will just be an impact. Father, on boys and girls and even their families. Thank you, Father, that we can show the love of Christ just in a physical way. Thank you, Father, for the privilege we have of giving. Thank you, Father, for your provision. And thank you, Father, for what you do in our lives and what you've done in our lives and what you will do. We love you, dear Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
excited for Wednesday evening. I love Thanksgiving. I hope that you enjoy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is just like, to me, it's the calm before the storm, right? Like you get to enjoy it, and then, man, the day after Thanksgiving, everything starts moving. It's Christmas. It's crazy fast and busy around here and around your house, around your neighborhood. I want to encourage you to come on out. We won't be able to stream that on Wednesday night. We have a, a, a testimony that will be shared that can't be streamed. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about what, uh, what's going to be shared there. We have a number of uh, exciting things. 
Our whole family will be together. Bring your kids. We'll all be together. It'll be a family service. We're going to have communion and uh, time of worship and just offering thanks to the Lord. Josh and Shannon Watts are going to be here from uh, City Church in Newcastle. They're on our birthday gift to Jesus list. They're going to be sharing a little bit. And uh, I'm really, really excited about what God's going to do on Wednesday evening here. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. We've been in our series, Remarkable. We've been looking at the remarkable claims of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What does he say? Uh, How has he revealed himself? And so remember, this was God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so as God made his flesh and made his dwelling among us, he is revealing to us who he is. He keeps showing us this incredible Jesus. So we went through and uh, we keep seeing him calling himself the Son of Man. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man. Uh, he's referring to himself as the title that came from the book of Daniel. And so we keep seeing this over and over again, this, this, the miracles, we see the power, we see this wonderful Jesus Christ. And now, uh, last week we came over to Mark chapter 11. Uh, we, we talked about how that it was Palm Sunday. He made it through Palm Sunday and all the, all the big commotion of Palm Sunday. And then he goes in on Monday. He overturns the change tables in the temple. And now we're into Tuesday. This is Tuesday of Holy Week. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up today with, uh, with, with Remarkable. Next week we're going to be heading into a little bit more of the holiday seasonal uh, uh, series. We're going to come back and pick this up. I've only been 36 weeks in the book of Mark, so I don't know where I was to preach, guys. My Bible doesn't open to any other place. But we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to find other places next week, all right? But anyhow, I want to encourage you. We're, we're going to be looking at this today. Uh, but, uh, but the greatest mission, the whole mission, the whole book points to, to the end of Mark where he goes to the cross. Where he's, where he's hung on the cross, where he's uh, crucified, where he's buried, and then Mark 16, where he is risen again. And uh, thanks be to God for the risen Savior. Amen? And that's why we're here. That's why we exist, because of our risen Lord. And uh, had, had Jesus not risen, had we not had the end of the book of Mark, we would not be here talking about the beginning of it. We would not be talking about Christmas. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then the fact that not only did he die, but he was buried in three days, and then he rose again. And that's why we're here. So today, this is Tuesday as we're looking at this, and in this scripture, Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Uh, the, he had come up, uh, up against the Pharisees again. You could just feel the tension is starting to mount now. The Pharisees are, have been on the opposite side of him for three years. He's been dealing with this. It's been challenging uh, the, the whole nine yards as he goes along. Uh, throughout the throughout the work here, and he's following uh, to the to the cross. He's going to Friday. Friday he's going to the cross. The disciples don't know that's coming. It's Tuesday, and they don't know it's coming. Jesus tried to tell them three times. They still don't get it. So Jesus comes along, and he's he's they come. And they challenge him on who's who. Where does he get his authority from? And so he deals with them and gives them this exchange about their about the authority of Christ. And then he rolls into this, Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And they come up to him, and they're still trying to, to, to come after him. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians. So this was uh, the religious group and also some political group here. They came to trap him in his talk, verse 14. And they came to him and they said, Teacher, we know that you are true and that you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances but truly teach the word of God. 
truly teach the way of God. And so what happened here was the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes are coming to him, and they pay him a compliment. It's flattery. And you know what? At this point, you, as you're reading just there, if you just stop right there at, the, at that point in the verse, you'd say, wow, the, 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 uh, these people are coming. They're jumping on board. They're getting on the same team. Well, no, they're not. Jesus is aware of the flattery. So I want to encourage you with this. When you face an enemy that flatters you, beware, okay? Beware of flattery. That's just a little side note as we're going through here. Beware of flattery. You know, uh, you ever have somebody that's been your enemy, and then all of a sudden they say, boy, you're really good. Yeah, I really like how you did that. That's what was happening here. Let me show you what the Scripture says about flattery. Psalm 5.9. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench of an open grave. Isn't the scripture so descriptive at times, you know? Like the stench of an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. You see, Jesus understood what was going on. He knew that these people were flattering him. He knew that that they that they really didn't mean it. They're just speaking. Even though what they said was true, they didn't really believe it. They're coming and they're flattering him. Look here what else the scriptures say. Proverbs twenty six, twenty eight. A lying tongue hates those that it hurts. A flattering mouth works ruins. Proverbs 29.5, Whoever flatters their neighbor are, spend, are spreading nets for their own feet. And so as you look at this, look, here's Jesus. He's coming along. He is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. The very wisdom that, uh, of God was in Jesus. And, and here he is. He's got wisdom. He realizes that these people are coming. They're not trying to get on the team Jesus. They're trying to get rid of Jesus. And so as they come to him, they ask him a question. Look what they ask him. They ask him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Um, he continues on. He says, by knowing their hypo- but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So he calls them and says, bring me a coin. Bring me, bring me one of the local coins there. So he gets the coin. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And look how Jesus responds. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at his teaching. They couldn't believe it because here's what happened. Jesus was put in a spot here. And if Jesus would have said, yes, pay the tax, just go ahead and pay the tax, they uh, they would have got him for disloyalty to Judaism at that point. They would have said, hey, you're against the Jews. Remember, the land that they're living in was given to them by God. They're now under Roman oppression. So the Romans have come. They're oppressing them. And as the Romans are oppressing, they're charging a tax. So this was a poll tax. And he says, get me the coin here. And so he pulls up this coin. There's a picture of the coin. And on one side, it had uh, Tiberius, Caesar, August, Caesar Augustus Tiberius. It had his picture. You know, if you pull out a coin out of your pocket, you pull out a quarter, you'll see George Washington, right? Um, and so there was an inscription around it. And the inscription in English is this. Uh, Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. And so what they, were, what they did was in that day, uh, the Roman emperors, they thought they were literally God. 
They had the greatest power. And so they would say, hey, son of Augustus, son of Caesar, uh, of the divine Augustus, Caesar Augustus Tiberius. This is who he is. And so they were making their claim to divinity. So Jesus couldn't just say, hey, you know what, do whatever and, and pay tribute to this guy because it was false. The guy's not God. He's not divine. And so whenever Jesus, look at the contrast when Jesus came around and, and they said, son of God. This guy was son of the divine. When Jesus came, he was truly the son of the divine. Amen? And in that day, they would go around in a political sense, and they would say, good news, Caesar. Good news, Tiberius. When Jesus rose from the grave, do you know what the, the New Testament church did? They went around and said, good news, Jesus, son of God. He rose from the dead. We saw him. So they pulled the parallel. And so here we are. As you see this parallel, understand, that's why this question was so big. Because if he says one way, he gets, he, he's going to be thrown out by all the Jewish people. If he, if he says no, not to pay the tax, he's going to be denounced and, uh, to the Romans. And, and that would mean that they would lock him up right away. So Jesus moves from politics to principle. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Move from politics to principle. Jesus said, render to Caesar. He pulled it out. Whose picture is on there? And by the way, on the back, it's very interesting. On the back, uh, the inscription, it, it was a picture of his mother, Tiberius' mother, and it was Pontiff Maximum. Isn't that interesting? His mother, Livia. And so, so when, when you think of that, you think, wow, just look at the parallels that we see of how Jesus came, and he broke the cultural norm. He broke everything, and when Jesus came, he was truly a threat from the day he was born because he is the son of the king, amen? Son of the divine, of the truly divine. So render to Caesar, give back to Caesar. You know, today you would say like this, give back to Uncle Sam. And, uh, and if, when I say that, you moan, don't you? You're like, ah. And so did the Jewish people that day. They moaned as well. And so, so do we. We moan every time. I don't know. I don't have any friends that say, man, I can't wait for taxes to be due. Uh, I don't know anybody that says, I'll pay a little bit more. Um, it's just one of those things that we have to live with. And so when Jesus walked through this and he went through the principle and he didn't make, he didn't side with nothing here, he walked right through it and he got them to where he wanted to go. And so I want to encourage you that uh, we are, we what, what is the image here? He says, render to God that which is God. Render to Caesar that which is Caesar, to God which is God's. So this coin had the inscription of Caesar. So give that back to him. I want you to know there's an image on you. You bear the image of God. You bear his image. You see, whenever they made those coins, they, and I, was, I just pulled up a, you know, of course, everything on YouTube is true, right? So pulled up a YouTube video how they made those, how they made those coins, and, and they were showing how they believed they made them, that they would take the, the, the metal, and they had an impression. They would take the hammer and make the impression upon it. Well, may I share this with you? If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you bear the image of God. God came along, and he took his image and placed it on you. And let me show you the scripture here. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says this, Who has also put, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has put his seal on us and given us his spirit, given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee until the day of Christ. 
Your soul has been guaranteed with the image of the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit Himself. If you have trusted Christ, uh, the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit stepped into your life and you were never alone again. Amen? He will always be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so what, what Paul was referring to here when he says this about the seal, in that day, if a king was going to write an official document and send it to maybe another dignitary, uh, to a neighboring country or to another district, he would, he would write his note, and then at the end he would sign it, and then they would, sit, they would take it, they would roll the scroll, and they would put wax across it to hold it together, and then they would, he would take his ring, and the signet ring of the king, and he would place it into the seal. And as he would place it into the seal, the, the, the wax was moldable. It was pliable. It was hot wax. Then he takes his ring out, and it would seal, and it would become hard. If you received the note, and you saw that the wax was broken, you know that somebody tampered with it. It was sealed until the day of delivery. And so I want you to catch this. Whenever Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin You've trusted him. He has sealed your soul to the day that we are face-to-face with Jesus Christ. And with that seal, he says, give back to God. You see, this, this coin, that wasn't the big deal of life. How many times do we get bent out of shape by these things in life, don't we? We get crazy about everything on this world. God says, give those things to Caesar. Give to God what is God's. I've got the signet, the seal of Jesus on my life. And he's on your life if you've trusted him too. And God says, you've got something higher than politics. You've got something higher than this world. You've got something higher. And so they were trying to pin him. And he walks right through it and he gives them. And they marveled at this. We'll just go a few verses down in the book of Mark chapter 12, and you'll see that uh, Mark chapter 12, Jesus begins a contrast. And remember I told you that the scribes and the Pharisees had this issue with Jesus. And, and so Jesus now, he comes and he sits down, and, and I want you to catch this, because Jesus would often, when he would teach, he would just sit down. So he's got his disciples with him now. And in his teaching, he says, beware of the scribes. Oh, I love that, don't you? These were the religious leaders, and he's sitting in a temple... <laughs> He says, beware of those scribes. That would be pretty cool to see him do that, wouldn't it? Like they're walking over there. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. Oh, you know what they like to do? They like to show their power. They wore power suits. They were like, look at me. Yeah, and that's really what they were. They would wear the long flowing robe and it'd be like, yeah, I am the epitome of spirituality. And you'd be like, Hmm. And Jesus says, beware of those people. Because they showed, they looked really good on the outside. They had all this power. And they liked to greet in the marketplace. It wasn't that they liked to say hi. It was that they liked to be known. They liked to be known. They wanted everybody to be known. They, they, they wanted everybody to know who they were and that they were these people of power. And it was like, ha, I am a scribe. I am the Pharisees. We have attained it. Look what he continues on here. He says, not only do they that, they have the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at feasts. Man, they have the best seats, the front row. Why is nobody down here? We have no scribes in our church. 
a couple over here, all right? We have no scribes, no Pharisees in our church. Listen, I don't understand, guys. Go up the front row. Dan, sit down front, would you? Come on. Come on. I'll just get it, all right? Hey, listen, they had the best seats in the, the best seats. They were closest to the action. Why? Because they felt that they were the most important and that they could be seen and they were at the place of honor at all the feasts. So whenever they had the, the Passover feast, whenever they had all these different things, the rituals that they would go through, these were the people that were right up front and everybody was in awe of who they were. He says, and look what else they do. They devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers. They would come along, and what happened was in that day they had no, there was no salary for the scribe, so they would go out and they would figure, out, figure it out. Quite often they would go out and they would, they would take things from people. They would manipulate people. They would go to the, to, the, to the widows, and as the widows would be dying, they would take things that weren't rightfully them. They would get the widows to hand it over to them. These people were all self-centered. They looked so good on the outside, but they were self-centered. They devoured widows' houses. They took it all. And for a pretense, they made long prayers. Oh, they're like, oh. They prayed long prayers in public so that everybody... And I like what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, they've already got their reward. Their reward was that you could hear them and you could say, wow. God says, "Uh uh-uh, you want something deeper. You want my reward. They will receive greater condemnation. They will receive the greater condemnation. Listen, here's what, in that day, they would look, that these, these Pharisees, these people, these religious leaders, they would look upon people uh, that had problems in their life and say, hmm, that person has a problem. They must be far from God. Thank God I'm not like them. They would look at a widow and they would say that this widow has had so many problems. She has done something wrong in her life. And they would try to calculate some sort of bad thing that she did for the bad things that happened in her life. And may I just say today that that was not the mission of Jesus. Jesus didn't go for it. Jesus, that whenever Jesus died and rose again, the very first thing that the church did was they did something opposite that the Pharisees did. They went out and began to take care of the widows. They begin to take care of the fatherless. And to this day, that's one of our number of top priorities in the church. We have to help widows. We have to help the homeless. We have to help the fatherless. And so God has called us to do that. So when Jesus came, he was the total opposite. You know what? Jesus didn't have the long, flung robe. He wasn't at the highest place of anything. As a matter of fact, we always see that he was at the lowest place. He was washing the feet of his servants. And so that's what Jesus did. These men, these, uh, these scribes and Pharisees, they had no character. And you see, folks, you can only get character by time with God. Character doesn't come naturally. It comes over time, and it comes with walking with God. So I pray that my character today has grown from where it was last year, where it was five years ago, where it was ten years ago. Your character, the more you walk with God, the more your character will develop. And that's how we grow. Remember, the psalmist said, remember not the sins of my youth. You know why? Because whenever you're young, you're still growing. When you're old, you better still be growing. But you just made a lot more mistakes when you were younger, right? A lot more, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm learning. I'm still growing. And so he wasn't despising youth. Timothy said, let no man despise your youth. Paul said that to young Timothy. Don't let anybody despise your youth. But what he was saying is, look, over time you will grow, you will mature. And the things that troubled you yesterday, as you get older, 
you'll say, I can't believe I used to get so troubled over those things. And, and God just has a way of transforming us. And then look what he does here in uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. He continues on. So he, he just said how, how the scribes were, had an issue. And now he sits down opposite the treasury. So what they had was they had 13 places that you could give your offering. They, had the, they were like a, a funnel, if you will, like a big horn, and they were brass. And so you could come and people would give their offering. So he sat down opposite the treasury where they were watching people that could give. And, uh, and the people were putting their money into the offering. Many rich people put in large sums. So many people would come up to these brass horns and they would take their money and it would be a lot of coins. And they would come along with their coins and they would put a bunch of coins in. And, you know, ding, 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 ding. You hear all the coins and ding, 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 ding. That maybe somebody throws a handful. It's just like, uh, it's like if you had a tin can, you're throwing all that money in there, right? Um, and so I know some of you don't use coins anymore or dollars or, you know, you're only on the computer. But that's how, when I was a kid, you only got money was a coin and, and a dollar. And I never had a five till I was ten. Anyhow, that's, a, that's another story, right? But uh, listen, it's like, so, so you got all these coins, and the people would come, and they were putting their coins in. And, and what, what, be, what would happen in other places, Jesus talked about it, became a show. Like people could come in and, look what I'm putting in. And he says, look, many rich people put in large sums. He continues on, verse four, uh, 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. Here I am. Look at this. I just stand there. I put it in. It might take me three, four minutes to put this in. I just kind of take my time. Or, or maybe I put a whole bunch in. You can just... You hear all this, this tingling, tinking of the brass. Here comes the lady. She's a widow. She has two small pennies. I think I have a picture of them. Two small pennies. And... The, these together equal one cent. Together. She throws those two in there. And she walks away. And it was like, dink. Dink. She walks away. And look what Jesus says. Jesus says of her, he called his disciples together. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. This poor widow, she put in way more than everybody else. What? She put in a penny. These rich people were putting in lots and lots of money. And Jesus says, I tell you that she put in more than everybody else. Four. They all contributed out of their abundance. They took money that wasn't really going to hurt them. And they took the money that, that it's okay if they didn't have it, and they took it and they put it into the offering plate. He says, out of their abundance, they, all, they contributed out of abundance. Like, that's really fun when you have leftover, right? And you give out of leftover. Yeah, look, this is fun money and yeah, I, I could have done something else with it, but you know what? I'll, I'll give it here. But the widow, look what he says about her. But she, out of her poverty, 
has put in everything that she had and all she had to live on. This poor widow comes over and out of her, that's it. What am I going to eat tonight? She didn't stand her with an attitude. She wasn't afraid to give it. She came and she took those two little coins that equaled one penny and it was her last. And she threw it in there. And God said that she gave more because these other people were giving out of abundance and she gave all that she had. And I don't think that Jesus was saying that you should give everything that you have. I, that, I think that would be false teaching there. Uh, God's, not, God's not looking for all that you have. He already owns everything that you have. He's not looking for you to sit down and empty out your bank account. Unless you'd like to see me privately. Anyhow, he's, he, he's not looking for you to do that. Listen, he's not looking for you to come in and say, all right, I want to work. I'm going to give it all, and I'm going to trust God for what's going to be on the table on Tuesday. That's not the message. The message is this lady came, and out of dependence, she was living a life of dependence. She said, I want to honor my God with what I have. This is all I have, and she put it in. And Jesus takes his disciples and says, pay attention. You know, when you look in the Bible, and I, I, I tell people all the time, the church is not about money. Would you say that with me? The church is not about money. Say it again. The church is not about money. We have a message far greater than any piece of paper or coin that could ever imagine. Amen? It is Jesus died on the cross, paid for your sin. That's why he came. But let me show you a few things in the Bible. This was surprising to me as I, as I jumped into this. If you do a word study and just, just, just do a word search in the Bible. Um, the word, uh, we'll put up the first one here. This word, prayer, is mentioned 371 times in the Bible. That we should pray, prayer, this prayer. 371 times. That's a lot of times, isn't it? And so we, we encourage people to pray and pray regularly, to pray multiple times a day. I think... Prayer is your lifeblood. That's why we exist. God gave us a relationship. Um, Here we have love. Love is mentioned 714 times. And we love to talk about love, don't we? I mean, love just makes you feel loved. It's lovely. I mean, it's just fun. You know, you love. You get all warm in love. But if you look up give, it's 2,162 times. And so God, giving is important to God. And if the church has gone about money, how can giving be important to God? God is not out there fundraising. He's not a fundraiser. God doesn't need to raise funds. He owns everything. Just remember that. Would you say that with me? God owns everything. That's one of the points. We're going to throw it up here. God owns everything. He owns everything you have belongs to him. Everything you don't have belongs to him. You came in, you sat down on that chair, that's God's. You walk out, you look at the shrub outside, that's God's. You go down Walmart, that's God's. I don't know if he wants it, but it's his. Okay? Walmart, that's God's. You, you, you go out here, you, you go to the baseball field down the street, that's God's. You go to your business. You got some of you folks in the church have business, that's God's. You go to, you, you work for somebody else, that's God's. Um, I was just recently uh, with a group of people and they, they put, they put um, post-it notes 
and it said it had the word his, and they went around everything in the room, and it said his, 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 including the glass of water I was drinking, including the pen at the table, the chair that I was sitting on, and I came into this meeting, and I thought, oh, they're playing a game today. I wonder what this is, and I couldn't really understand it. Then they quoted this verse. Look at this verse right here from the book of Psalms. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And I should have done that for you this morning. I should have put his all over the place. You could have really understood the whole service. You'd been distracted wondering what that was for, right? But it's his. Everything in the world is God's. He doesn't need money. That's why the church is not about money. Do you know why God talks so much about giving? Because it can become your idol. Money can become your idol. And if God gave me everything and all owns, he owns everything, many times we ask God, what should I do with all this stuff? God says, listen, here's what I want you to do, number one. I want you to give. Give. And when you give, what happens is you're saying, God, you're, you're still God and I trust you. It's a reminder that it's all his. And, and you can be thankful. He's told you, you get, to, you get to play with a lot of it. Isn't that cool? Like, God didn't say give 90%. Now, if you do, that's okay, too. But listen, he says give 10%. And you know what the 10% was about? It was a reminder of who's in charge of your life. It's who's the God of your life. You see, the very first commandment was, you shall have no other gods before me. Do you know how many times we bow down to Uncle Sam's dollar? We hate to give him taxes, but we hate to spend it on anything but ourselves. And God says, I want, I want you to understand that as you give. In, 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 the, in the biblical times, in the Old Testament, these farmers would come in. So if you were a pumpkin farmer and you, you had a hundred pumpkins, you'd come in and you'd give, a, you'd give ten pumpkins. You, you, they would give that. And so today in our world, we, we encourage people to give. And, and as we give, I personally give 10% to the Lord. And so that's like a non-negotiable in our house. We don't talk about it. Um, sometimes we do because it's like, you know what we could do with that? And I'm like, stop, stop, don't even ask that. Because you know what I could do? God gave me breath today. And he's provided for me. And whenever I give that 10% back to God, and I try to give a little bit more. I say, you know, God, I'm not going to be legalistic. I'm going to give more. And so, so as, I, as I give that and we, we're able to bless other people, man, it's, it's, no longer about what, what a, it's no longer about me. It's about thee. The God of the universe who's provided for me. So if you're a guest here today, don't worry about money. This, 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 what I've said is, is nothing. Please, let that go one, in one ear, one out. God's not looking for your money. If you're a regular, I want you to pay attention to who's in charge of your life. Who's in charge? Is God in charge or are you? And as you learn to give, what happens is you learn to surrender and you learn to, you learn to release and when he's in charge now, you're, you're, you get to enjoy the blessed life because he is the one that has the, this whole thing figured out. Um, you know what? Whenever we come and we look here at our life, we realize that everything belongs to the Lord. Uh, if you go in the book of Second Samuel, you'll find that there was a king. He insisted that it cost him a sacrifice, that there would be value. You can look that up. That's Second Samuel 24, 24. 
Um, the, Jesus said that the primary indicator of your life is, uh, is money would show. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's a wrong attitude and a right attitude towards giving. A wrong attitude is this is a transaction. If I do this for God, then God will do this for me. That's not what the widow did. She came in and she gave all that she, could ha- all that she had. She gave what she could. Nothing more, nothing less. And I want to ask you today, with the things that you have, if you'll come back and realize that God owns it all, and that he's not up there fundraising, he's not, in the church here is not fundraising, we talk very little about money, we have the birthday gift of Jesus, and beyond that, you don't hear too much in this church about money. Um, listen, we, we are helping to bless the world. God has given us many opportunities you know, through generosity is the way that you are in control of money. Otherwise, money controls you. And so I want to ask each one of us to go before the Lord and ask who's in charge of our life. And as you make that surrender, um, start there. And maybe you say, well, Pastor Ken, I can't give 10%. I bet you could give one. And I bet you could start with $1. You see, it's not the amount. God's saying, I'm looking for your heart. Did you ever go through the drive-through? You know, at like a fast food place. Not that I've ever done that, but yeah. You know. <laughs> Do you ever go through one of those drive-throughs and the person in front of you pay for you? Isn't that cool when that happens? And I'm like, yeah, I got a free meal today. You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to pay for the person behind you. But wait a minute, there's six kids in that car. Luke's don't Luke always drives behind me in the drive-through. He's waiting for it to happen. He's saying, "Lord, please," you know. But look, isn't it sad? We always go, "Look what I got," instead of "Look what I get to do." And I want to take you to that because God is looking for us to be cheerful givers, and not just in the church. Listen, man, when you go to a restaurant, don't be the person who pulls out the calculator to figure out how much you're to tip. We used to do that. I'd say, Rhonda, you know, we go to these restaurants and these people make food that goes into our body. We have to get better at tipping. So she pulls out her phone. I look at her. I'm like, really? Like, we can't be that generous that I might give you $3 too much. And I said, maybe we shouldn't eat out anymore. And it was a conviction of mine. And so, so when we do that, Man, the other day I was out, and I just said, she goes, what are you doing? I said, well, it's called God talking to me. And I'm letting go of what he gave me. And she goes, but what about? I said, relax. God's in charge. And so when God's talking to you and he, let, he, he tells you to let go, he says, stop pulling out the calculator to figure out how to be generous. Because it's not out of my abundance. It's out of his abundance. He's your provider. So, let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, may I take you to the cross? That's what Jesus came to do, was to go to the cross. And along the journey, he kept teaching, teaching, teaching. And for Jesus to have these teaching moments on Tuesday before he's crucified on Friday, there must be something that we're to lean in and pay attention to. Who's who's the Lord of your life is what the question is. Not how much did you put in the plate. Jesus will never ask that, and neither will I. This church will never do that to you. 
Because we have a mission much bigger than what anybody could put in the plate. It's about your soul becoming one with Christ. But now that you're a follower of Christ, God says, I want you to learn that I am in charge. And that I will not let you suffer. And I want you to walk with me. I want you to let it go. And I want you to trust me. So in the scripture it teaches to, to trust him by giving to the Lord. And so as we come we give to the Lord, man, he blesses it. He does incredible things. And, and remember, you're not your provider. God is your provider. So I want to take you to the cross today. And I want to encourage you to go home and think about these things that we've looked in God's word. And just, just ask the Lord, God, would you teach me? Teach me how to let you be the boss of my life. Father God, I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you that you are the boss. You are the Lord. And God, many of us do lip service. Lord, many times I do lip service and don't let these things live out and flush out. God, I pray that you will do something in my life and you'll do something in everyone's life here, Lord, as we surrender to you as the boss. You're in charge. And Lord, I don't want it to be just lip service from our church. God, we're looking to see you transform hearts. So God, as we learn to give, many times we're not, we're not too happy at the beginning. And God, I pray that you'll, you'll help each one of us as we grow in this area, whether it's giving here, whether it's helping somebody in a drive through line, whether it's being generous in the community, meeting a need of a neighbor. God, would you just move in ways that only you will get the honor and the glory. And we will bless your holy name. In your name we pray. Amen. For being here this morning. Please go in peace. You are dismissed.